And we'll, we'll be back after this on WGN. The Hitless Wonders turned the trick back in 1906. Shoeless Joe, please say that it ain't so. Many years were dark at the famed Comiskey Park. Till Applin came with aches and pains and fouled off ten or so. Talking baseball, Benura and Big Ed, Sox baseball. Welcome back to Nocturnal Joe. Ro, you're going to learn something in this segment. <laughs> Everything too. <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, thank you guys for all coming in. White Sox Parks, uh, amazing vendors. It's a bestseller by Lloyd Rutsky and Joel Levin. Lloyd, you're in the studio tonight. Thank. Get up that microphone. Yeah, okay. So vendor Lloyd Rutsky and Bob, introduce yourself. Bob Shacoin. Lloyd Rutsky. <laughs> Our friend Doug North. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, and Abe. Abe Rapic. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Abe. No problem. You guys are all friends. So we had we did a segment uh, when your Lloyd when your um, Wrigley Field book came out. That's correct. So talk talk about how this came out. Was this always planned? Uh, You're going to do two together? Uh, uh, well, the original plan was uh, that we had uh, we we're going to have one book with both teams, uh-huh. their pictures. But the uh, publisher somehow thought that. Uh, well, maybe the Cubs were a little more popular at the time. Uh, I don't know where they got this crazy idea. But uh, anyway, uh, and since I had so many pictures, <clears throat> and I also thought that the Sox fans really don't want anything with Cubs to do with it, and most Cub fans are pretty have the same thought. So we get two books if, if the first one's successful, and the first one was successful. So this year we've got White Sox Park's Amazing Vendors, me and Joel Levin, and that's... Uh, it came out uh, two weeks ago, and we're pretty excited about it. Arcadia Publishing. Yes. Dot com is how people can find them. Uh-huh. Um, for people who are, are, haven't heard the story before, how did you find the pictures? How many pictures are in the book? I found the, them. I found them because I took them. All of them. All well, of them. Um, like 90%. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I started taking pictures in about 1971. I was going to Columbia College, and I got a Nikon camera for to take professional type pictures at the time and I started taking pictures and when I I had started working in the ballpark in 1965 and I by 1970, I was thinking, well, I probably wouldn't be vending much longer or whatever, but I still wanted to take pictures of people so I would remember them, you know, 5, 10 years, 15 years, and, and I'd start, you know, taking pictures of my friends was one thing, but then I'd start taking pictures of, peop- of guys I didn't know, stand workers, the, the slight ushers, and what, what they thought I was pretty crazy. Yeah, what did, <laughs> yeah, what did people say? Well, you know, they, why you, t- you called me a screwball, you know, what did, <laughs> what did you, we, you, why do you want my picture, and then I, because I would, you know, get their picture and I would get their name too as most in 90% of the cases and uh, you know just hopefully that we would uh, have something to remember them and they thought I was nuts but like 10 years later people started you know I would bring these I was still working and I'm still working now 55 years later before identity theft they thought you were the first guy doing (laughs) and uh, so Anyway, the uh, and then that ten years later, people started looking at these pictures, and there's you know somebody, hey, this guy is no longer around, and, and that that lady is not is gone, and these parts of the ballpark is it's no longer there. There's buildings across the street and things like that. There's different, so they were pretty uh, you know very happy that I taken these pictures. Of course, now 50, 50 years later, it's you know they're classics. Uh, when did you get the idea to make it into a book? Well, uh, actually, my idea wasn't I'd always wanted to do something with my pictures but I didn't really I was you know kind of never 
putting anything together, but uh, my friend Joel Vin, who had been, he hasn't been for like 40 years, but he, he vended before me, and uh, he had an idea to write a, a book about it, and, but he needed you know, pictures, and he knew that I'd taken a lot of pictures, including a couple of him and his brothers, and his one brother, and uh, he approached, uh, you know, he's trying to find a publisher, and he found Arcadia Publishers, and he thought you know, they were intrigued by the idea, and uh, then we got to meet with them, and it took about a year or two of negotiations, and finally they agreed, you know, we'll, we'll do it. You know, let's see what they saw, all the pictures I had. I had like a 1,000 at least, and, you know, like, like 950 of them were real good. <laughs> and what did you use? What type of equipment? A Nikon camera, mostly, and then other people had cameras, too. This guy, Mike Gold, and a few others, and to this book, uh, David Levinson, Who's a vendor yeah. now? He's he contributed a few pictures, but uh, most of them are mine. And, and um, you know, it transcends. It's not a vanity project because when you look at this, and same thing with the Cubs book. I mean, it, it just takes anybody who's a baseball fan back into the stands, and it brings back you know all all kinds of memories and stuff. Have, have you did you get that response with the with the Wrigley Field one? Have you had that with this one? Oh yeah, everyone has seen it. Really seems to like it a lot, and they just so so happy that uh, these guys are you know. Some of these pictures, I really didn't think, you know, big deal, you know, there's somebody. But then, but there's always somebody who knew that person. And they're seeing, you know, somebody's mother. This was, the, oh, that's my mother. And uh, that's my uncle. And uh, so. Like, for instance, I had forgotten about, uh, I put this in yellow, Lou the Shoeshine Man's Place at Old Comiskey. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd forgotten right. about that until I saw it in your book. Yeah, yeah. You but, talk about that. Do you guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would see, I think there was at least two of them. But maybe he was yeah. the only one. You tip. got extra spit if you had wing tips. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they did. They had a, a shoeshine guy. Yeah. 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 He had and, a chair. And, he had his yeah. little box. And, and then the shoes took over. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a picture of him on, uh, where is it? Uh, and they're doing stuff like that again now. Like in, in Brooklyn, they put in a barbershop <laughs> where, uh, you know, where the Nets now play and stuff like that. There's so. a picture of her. With a quartet. <laughs> Bob, when did you start, uh, when did you start vending? You know... I started vending. Uh, Jimmy Carter was the newly elected president. I don't like to really think how many years it was, but that makes me a whippersnapper next to these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I've only got 42 years in, I think, and they've got many more than that. Uh, and where did you start at? Which, which uh, arena? White Sox. White Sox. Was, yeah. Uh, beer was uh, 80 cents back then, but you only got 12 ounces. So you're just paying $9.20 for the extra four ounces because they now sell 16 ounces. Bob, Bob wants to talk about being a whippersnapper. I've, I'm a whippersnapper at 24 years. Yeah, I, I started at, at Cubs in, in 1996, and I was at White Sox from 2000 to 2012. So hearing these stories, um, you know, uh, over the years really gave me an idea of what I had missed out. In 24 years, there's still a lot of history before me. I'm in the middle of the right. path when it comes to the world of the vendors. I'm glad Lloyd put out two books because for this for this type of, of city, we need two books. There's two teams and we're very divided in terms of our allegiances and people remember specifically one side of town versus the other side of town and that hits that memory from wherever anybody else happened to be at that game in that seat 
that's why I wanted you on the on the panel. What did you learn when you started with these guys? How you were sixteen when you? I was started? Six, yeah, I was sixteen when I started. Well, I what I, was this? What did this? How did you look at this generation? Loud, yeah, intrusive, <laughs> yeah. aggressive. And at sixteen years old, I didn't know what to say other than you know I'm going to stay out of the way and and pay attention to the world around me and maybe I'll learn something um, because ultimately you know we're there to make money, um, but in order to make money we have to sell things, we have to connect with people. So how do you do that best? So I had to take a look around at at uh, you know my colleagues and see what they've been doing for years, and then I I showed up. Is there a, a certain? I guess everybody has a different style, you know. Um, is there a shtick? I mean, some people scream. There's that one guy used oh, to. Oh yeah, say, there's a lot of people <laughs> scream. I don't like that. There are characters. Yeah. There are characters. I think they're like it's like a Crayola crayon box. Uh-huh. Every vendor is very, very, very different, yeah. and you have to you have to figure out how you connect with the ballpark and the fans and and what you feel comfortable doing because uh, you know uh, Lloyd, Bob, and Abe, and myself, we're very different in how we vend these seats. Explain that. Each one of you talk about what your style's like. Abe? Well, I I started in 73, I think. And then it sucks. I'm not even sure when I started. It was like two or three years right. later. <laughs> but um, everyone has their different style. I joke around with the yeah, people. Yeah, you're accessible. I mean, you're, you're accessible. You're friendly. Right. I mean, Doug's great with his uh, regulars. Bob yeah. gives out baseball cards to people. Yeah. Lloyd shows them the two different socks. Yeah, you know, well, stuff I crazy. Like what do you do, Lloyd? Oh, I don't show them. I have two different socks. <laughs> he wears shorts if it's notice? snowing. Yeah. And he has two different pairs of socks on, so it's yeah. obvious. It's like, one, that vendor is wearing shorts, and it's 35 degrees out and snowing. And... Not only is he wearing shorts, That's his true. socks don't match. So yeah. let's That's talk true. with that guy while we're having him pour us right. a beer. Yeah, yeah. And then if you say, Lloyd, are you cold? He, he raises his fist, goes, I fight the cold. I fight the yeah, cold. I'm about ready to <laughs> It's not cold. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's not beautiful. I think no, for I, me it's been an evolution over I time. Um, it's I started when I was 16, so I sold the pop, the peanuts, the hot dogs. I've sold it all, and, and up until uh, in 2000, that's when I started getting beer. That's when I turned 21. So you know, at that point, it changed. So whatever product I had, it changed, right, because I was appealing to a different audience. That's me. And so I evolved over time to just connect with people i think you know dave you, you see me most you see me more than you see these guys i think you can speak to that yeah right I'm did you ever evolve into the loud intrusive type that uh, you saw when you first started no i i pretty much said i don't want to be that i, I just <laughs> if i'm scared of it or or if i'm just like put off by it i'm like i i don't want to be that but i i think i think that was just me and my perception i think within the context of the ballpark though they they see us they see other vendors as characters i don't want to say superheroes i mean you guys are my superheroes but it's like man i want to talk to these guys i want to buy a beer from them because they're very very different all right we got to take a break and uh, we're going to come back and uh, talk more of uh, white Sox parks uh, amazing vendors on the eve of the cub Sox. Uh, don't go away on uh, nocturnal journey Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal, White Sox Parks, Amazing Vendors. We played Pablo Cruz because uh, on August 19th, 1978, I was there. Steve Miller Band, the Eagles, Pablo Cruz at Comiskey Park. Now, Doug, you were too young, but Abe, 
Chico, were you? What's it like to uh, vend a rock concert? Well, no, you needed your four tracks to really get all of Pablo Cruz, <laughs> didn't you? Uh, yeah, they just started the. Uh, in fact, some of those rock concerts, I think, did worse damage to uh, the Comiskey Park Field than Des Disco Demolition Night, um, because they'd have the concerts, they wouldn't really cover the field, they'd have it after rain, and it'd just be. Um, but that's where they experimented with the concerts at, at uh, Comiskey, and now, of course, uh, Wrigley and the other venues have taken over. They had some great stuff. Scorpions. Uh, we're talking about rock concerts at Comiskey. Uh, Scorpions, Iron Maiden, Girls' School. That was on August 5th, 1982. Did you... Did you I you're for a music guy, Abe. Yeah, but for some reason, I just remember working the Rolling Stones there. Yeah, Rolling Unless Stones. I worked other concerts. Things you won't mention but, in, the, in the book. But that was the new one. I'm talking about pre-91. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, oh, in the, in the old park. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, the old park had uh, other things. They had the Beatles, right? Yeah, they that's well, when I wrote. I wrote. You didn't work. No, I didn't work that. That was no, I wasn't the vendor. <laughs> it was right, but we know vendors that actually worked with the Beatles. Nice I could have. There was a nineteen. It's there was like a month after I started, and somebody told me that I couldn't work it, and I was stupid enough to believe him, and so I didn't. And, and I worked uh, and, uh, pro wrestling there a few times, the, which August, was August sixty-five. Th yeah. These people were drinking like they were going to the electric oh, yeah. chair in the morning. This oh, is yeah. Dick <laughs> the Bruiser yeah. days, Crusher days, wait, wait. Stan Hansen against Rick Martel. Are you awesome sure you fights. weren't in the ring, Abe? <laughs> I wanted to be, but um, no, they, that's when they had the yellow jackets. They didn't even know what to do because I don't think they'd had ever seen They were crazy drinking so much like they this. were doing the Vern Gagne sleeper Hold yeah. on themselves. They had uh, roller derby. Yeah. And, uh, I work roller derby. Yeah, they had I think. 50,000 people for that. And people, our, our union president said, no, they'd be like, our, our steward thought that, no, they'll be like, you know, five or 6,000. But this was 1972, and this was, a, it was mania. The people who were, were uh, you know, so hopped up on this every Sunday night that they've, they've pounded. But they've, uh, uh, Hop, Bill Hoppy Hop, and uh, this uh, wrestler Stan Hansen. I don't know if you remember him. He was like a big cowboy guy. He was fighting Rick Martel, like a pretty boy from Canada. But Martel was tough as nails. So they were they jumped out of the ring at the end of the match, and Hansen hits him with the cowbell, and he lassoes him, and he's dragging him by his neck to the. Uh, I think it was the White Sox dugout, and the security didn't know what to do. He, that, it's like they thought it was real. They tried to break it up, but they couldn't, and then they just disappeared down the tunnel. That was the original. And, uh, they have more cowbells. They both got disqualified. <laughs> Ro, I told you uh, you learned something tonight on, yep. uh, on Nocturnal Journal. So, I mean, it's an obvious question, but rock and roll audiences, crowds, are different than baseball crowds. Well, we found well, yeah. that for sure on Disco Demolition <laughs> yeah, right. Night, because that night, it was, a, it was not a scheduled doubleheader. It was a, it was a makeup the doubleheader. So normally the game the game was originally scheduled like it's uh, seven o'clock, I think something like seven to thirty at the time. So they had it's six, six o'clock, and usually for a game that wasn't scheduled, there would be like three thousand people. By six o'clock that night, the place was full. Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, they were full. Like ninety percent of the people were not. The White Sox fans. <laughs> yeah, right. they, they were all these people who got in with a disco record for seventy-five, uh, eighty-nine cents, right? Or Eighty-seven cents, and 90, and yeah. you are you knew right away this was going to be. In, it was insane. It was like I, 
of mass pass out of beer or people would just surround you when you would take your load out and they could kill you or they could take you. What were you vending that night? I was selling beer. And what oh, kind of beer? Do you remember? Oh, uh, Falstaff, I think. Falstaff. No? Or, or uh, it was seven. Was, oh, no. Slits and no, it was, no, it was. Uh, Glass bottles or paper cups? No, yeah, good question. Yeah. Oh, no. Glass have, bottles, you had to pour them. Don't, yeah. It was yeah, 12 it was ounce cans. cans. No, it was cans. Maybe. Oh, was cans? Can, yeah. Candemonium. 79 it was. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> it was 79? What section were you in, like? Oh, I was on third base side. Third base side. Was base the beer side. cold or was it oh, sort of? Yeah, it was it, pretty cold. But did it, it matter? Made, they wouldn't have mattered. They wouldn't have mattered. What music, Lloyd, what, what music were you listening to in uh, 1970? Was it 78 or I wrote that. 79. 79. That's yeah, when I was almost, born. It's yeah. almost the 40th anniversary. Yeah, right. Yeah. Up, uh, Next week, July 12th. Yes. Well, Dave, I used to take the train down there at the time. Yeah. And uh, I knew something was wrong that night. I was on the L going downtown, and everyone was on. All these young kids are wearing these black T-shirts, Disco Sucks, yeah. and Steve Daw. Yeah. I go, what's going on? And they said, there's a thing. I didn't even know. I, I think I may have heard it. I didn't. I mean, I was still listening. To it was crazy. Was yeah, what were you listening to? I was. No, I was still listening. Well, the Bee Gees were still uh, doing hits. And Did uh, you like the Bee Gees? Oh, I loved the Bee Gees. Oh, okay. And, uh, to me, disco was just rock and roll with a different form. Yeah, was, right. I didn't understand why they were so upset, but it was more like the lifestyle of the disco people. And uh, Well, I was there. I told people it was a hot night. It was a, oh, it was, it was kind yeah, of a sticky hot. night, yeah, kind of night on like tonight. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. We would have done like 50 cases. Uh, and I mean, I saw like 25 cases in the first game. I took, uh, my record was Do You Think I'm Sexy by oh. Rod Stewart. Oh, yeah, I, I, I hated that record. <laughs> Oh, I like that. Oh, that was a good song. Did you like that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was the really? worst song. Oh, no. It was a good hit. Everybody yeah. charged the field that night except yeah. for Lloyd. Yeah. He stood up and applauded. <laughs> well, uh, I was uh, just, I was pretty sick seeing my park you know yeah. on fire you know people were on the field lighting fire oh yeah we when yeah. we did when we did the book chico you're in the book when we did the book everybody looked back at it with like a smile and a fond remembrance except for roger bossard oh, yeah. and well, bossard said well, you know he goes how would you like if somebody came into your house and turned over all your <laughs> furniture Bill didn't like yeah right either. Yeah, uh, yeah they can't please all the people all the time yeah. he went on the field and he was yelling go back to your seats go back to your seats yeah, these and, kids and, were climbing up and, over the wall to get in yeah. I, after a while i wanted to and, leave because I knew I had a feeling something bad was going to happen. They locked I don't the door be part of, of, it. The, of the 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 entranceways. They bolted the door. People are banging on the yeah. door <laughs> by like seven o'clock, trying to beat the way to get yeah. in. Because there was my like fifty thousand people there already, and would have had seventy or eighty thousand if yeah. they let them in, and they were just stormed over the gates. Chico, you worked at where were you at again? What section? What were you selling? I was uh, in the upper deck, and actually, when they cut off beer, I got deputized by some security guy. <laughs> so, so he said, "Hold, hold this section here. Hold them. Hold them from going on." And then he went away, and after three minutes, I thought that was. It's nice having a career as a deputy for three minutes. I think <laughs> kind of like being a substitute teacher. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Then the yeah. horsemen rode in. You know, policemen on horseback and uh, got on the field. And uh, they... when did we find out the second game was canceled oh, during night. the first that, game? That, or that, that night, I, I knew they would have to. Well, it was canceled. We immediately canceled. And then we all checked out and ran home, I think. Ran I don't think home. anyone really stuck around. Did ran you home. stick around? Ran home. What do you mean? To, I mean, I just what? wanted to get out I of there. I went out to dinner. I went out to dinner. No, but I'm yeah. saying you didn't stick around to watch it. You went, <laughs> Lloyd, you went, you went to the faces, people Lloyd. Crazy. <laughs> people, they threw out the cops. It took them a while to throw well, them out. Then, a half hour. After yeah. a riot, you're hungry. you got to eat. They drove them out. And they yeah, it was insane. And 
they called you know, those weren't baseball White Sox fans. No, no, it no. was like it was, insane. The Sox weren't doing that great there. They weren't. No, no, no. It was. Uh, Lloyd, you're a Sox fan. Oh yes. How that how how that start? Well, I'm born in the South Side. My father was a Sox fan. He started taking me to the ballpark when I was you know, four or five, and he listened to the games on the radio all the time. And uh, came a White Sox fan, American League fan. Uh, I mean, most Sox fans like hate the Yankees, but no. I would hate them during the season. But when they came to the World Series and the White Sox weren't there, I would always root for my league to ruin. And the Yankees, you know, did pretty good. So what your what your father do? What your parents do? Oh, my father was, uh, he had a various jobs. He was, the final job was uh, a piano tuner. But before that, he was uh, in the warehousing business with uh, other people. You know, he worked, he worked the hard. He was the hard, hardest working guy I ever knew. So, and, and what neighborhood did you grow up in? Oh, in the south side, southeast, 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 southeast side. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went to, graduated from Bowen High School. I, I went to Hirsch and also South Shore, first, uh, my first year and second year. And then I, we moved and I went to Bowen. So, uh yeah, and we then we moved to the Glenview in 1969 when I was 21. Robert, you, you're a Sox fan, aren't you, or not? Yes, grew up on the South Side, also uh, several miles west of where Lloyd grew up uh, in what they call the Auburn area yeah. of Chicago. It was uh, Saint Flower Parish it was better known as back then, or, or uh, Little Flower Parish. Doug, Cubs. I'm a Cubs fan, diehard. Um, I came home after school and had my snack and popped on WGN, and I caught the Cubs uh, bottom of the sixth, uh, top of the seventh, and Harry Carey sang the stretch, and you know that's history for me. I always came home and day baseball was on, and and that's how I fell in love with the Cubs. Abe, hey, we got a break real quick. Cubs, Sox, your Cubs, aren't you? Cubs, yeah, of course. But I, well, I'm not a hater. I, I want the Sox to do well. It's not like Wrigley Field where they could just draw full houses automatically, but that's another topic. <laughs> we'll interrogate you after break. Okay. Bye. We're going to take a break. Thanks a lot. We're going to talk more about uh, the book, White Sox Park, Amazing Vendors on WGN. <laughs> With us. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like. Welcome back to uh, Nocturnal Journal. We're talking the book, White Sox Park's Amazing Vendors by Lloyd Rutsky and Joel Levin. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, uh, Thanks, Lloyd. Um, for We heard there, Nana Hey Hey with Nancy. Um, talk about the difference between uh, your clientele at, on the north side and the south side. Uh, north side's a little more... Uh Upscale, maybe uh, more professional uh, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs. Uh, but uh, White Sox is a, it's a hardy crew, and uh, I think years ago was much more the bigger difference because uh, the it was the neighborhood and uh, maybe uh, working class fans uh, compared to the Wrigley. But I don't know. Uh, they they both seem draw a lot of. You know, good people. You know. Bob? Well, the pitch is a little different. At uh, Wrigley, you say something like, um, gentlemen and ladies, my fine fellow citizens, might I interest you in some refreshing libations? Whereas at Sox, it's more like, you guys want a couple more brewskis? Uh, <laughs> Have you, do you still tend to uh, uh, work at uh, Wrigley? No. Uh, uh, 
Age got to me. Gave that up a yeah. few years ago. What about the uh, South Side? So, I, I still work at Wrigley. It's the, so, the oh, South the Sox you don't do. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Doug, you don't do the South Side. I did the South Side from 2000 to 2012. I just remember it was more of a more of a challenging then than it, than Wrigley Field because I feel like on the South Side, you know, as Lloyd said, it, it's a working class, right? Uh, a working class group of people, right? And so they're thinking a lot of, about a lot more things financial than anything else. Where on the North Side, um, they're paying. They're, they're Whatever the experience is, they're paying for it, and they're going to make sure that they have a have a good time. And money doesn't seem to be a, an object a lot of times. It doesn't. I think money's more an object on the south side. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I respect, and you got to respect that on on both sides of town. But it's a hard, it, in, in my opinion, it's a harder vent on the south side than it is on the north side. Yeah, Abe. Well, Cub fans have always been. It seems like it's a different class than at Sox Park, but. Uh, Hey, I got a lot of, I'm a Cub fan, but I have a lot of friends at Sox Park. I used to joke around and say when I went to work at Cubs, I was like at a normal stadium. And when I went to work at Old Comiskey, it was like an ulterior universe. Something totally different, which it is still today. It's, it's, it's a very different clientele of people, but it's fun at both parks. They're it's nice. not as, you know, I, I would tell people when we were doing the disco book, I mean, the old Comiskey, that place was pretty, that was pretty wide yeah. open. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I, my first game was 65, Sox-Yankees. That was the first major league game I ever saw, and I was 10 years old, man. I just, these guys, people walking around with little pints of Jack Daniels and stuff. Like, my goodness, it was it was the Wild West. There, there were fights right. almost yeah. every night. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, that was guaranteed. And uh, you, you would sell whole cases to groups and there wasn't as much of a definitely not alcohol responsible uh, selling at the time because people didn't wasn't in the thinking of the public at the time and you know we would sell after the game even to the fans and as they're leaving we were you know, selling cold can for the part for the cold can for the road when which is you know, pretty dangerous stuff but that we nobody thought that like that well, back, back then for years no, they didn't think it, like it that. Was, yeah. uh, it was not responsible at all, but uh, that's people just got there and they just started drinking. And they and uh, now and they, uh, they drink in the parking lots and they come in and they're yeah, still right. drinking. And at Wrigley, they drink in the bars and they come in, but not, not to the extent that they did in 30, 40 years ago. Did you guys ever get in the middle of anything? Oh, well, one time, uh, well, back at Wrigley, uh, I was. Uh, it was back before they, they had many... Concessions uh, stands, and they didn't even have a, a commissary for the f- first base side. So uh, I was taking my, we all got our cases from the third base side, and I was running over to the first base side trying to take care of all these people who weren't seeing a beer man. And I was getting there, and then people were, uh, would line up around me, and, uh, and the, so after like an inning or two, the fans behind me said they were, they were getting pretty, uh, Upset that I was, that people were coming over and blocking their view, and I was trying to get the people to come over, sit down, sit down. But they finally, these guys couldn't take it, and they just jumped on top of me yeah. and tried to rip my case right off my my head. Uh, and luckily, the fans who were getting the beer, they took care of them. How does that work of uh, insurance and stuff? Are you guys covered by the union, or what happens? Uh, like something are, happens to you? We have a union. Yeah, yeah. If you're covered by an accident or in you know an incident like that, you're attacked by fans. Certainly, you could. Uh, there's uh, you have rights and things like that, but other than that, uh, we we get we don't get any salary. We don't get any uh, 
sick days. We don't get any health insurance. Uh, health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. So we just you come and you make what you can, and uh, you make it by the hustle. Really. Yeah, right. it's, it's yeah. all commission. Yeah, yeah right. hustle on uh, your personal shtick. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. If you well, can, all you guys got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing for you guys. Have you ever gotten in the middle of a of a dust up? And at the old, the, go on, Bob. In the Bill Vec days, I would sometimes try to, being the responsible citizen, try to break up fights. Uh, and the last one I broke up, I got slugged at the same time by the two combatants. Fortunately, they were about three sheets to the wind, so I didn't have a jaw broken. But I thought, that's, my, that's the end of my trying to break these up. But now I'll just step back and watch what happens. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's you know, to... I, I, it's never gotten to that point for me. I think at, at, at this point in time, it's so expensive for people to get to that point yeah, that that doesn't happen. They get they get pretty obnoxious at times, but it's to my I, I've diffused a lot of things. I've diffused it, and and it's to my benefit to diffuse it because it's going to come back on me. So why are they behaving that way? Well, they're overserved. If they're overserved, who who served them then? And on top of that, I don't want the people that that I serve and that's around all that to experience that because you know in this day and age, you've got kids. Right. You've got people that are up there in age and nobody wants to experience that so more times than not it's to my best interest to diffuse it and when you say diffuse it what do you do um i i just basically i basically say to them i say hey he didn't mean it we're just joking around um you know is everything okay that type of thing right just kind of say hey what's your name you know and once you say hey what's your name how you doing you know are you a cubs fan you kind of divert their attention from from the issue I, uh, I know you, so uh, does your background as a public school teacher help you deal with some of these Cub fans? Absolutely, absolutely 100%. Yeah, yeah. It, vending, uh, vending in the seats at Wrigley is, isn't that different from teaching in yeah. the Chicago public schools. right? It, it's, about, it's, like, it's, it's all about personal engagement, right? You, hey, why are you doing this? Hey, um, you know, are you having a good time? You know, or if, you, if, they came, if it's a buddy system, like, hey, man, are you going to let your buddy you know, get sick? Are you going to let your buddy throw you guys out of the seat? Stadium. It's very smart. You know, how much did you pay for this ticket? Is it worth? You know, is it worth getting thrown out of a ballpark? You know, that type of thing. You start using logic, and I know baseball logic, good times. Like, there's no place for logic. I'm having a good time. Leave me alone. But in that moment, you use logic, and it it, stop, it, it pauses them for a minute. And you know, at, at times, I've had to run down the stairs and notify you know the ushers or security, say, "Hey, things are about to happen there. You need to get there now." And that stuff still happens. Yeah. I think I, I think I want Doug negotiating with Iran and North Korea. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, it's very good. Abe. I think it boils down to a lot what Lloyd was saying. Back then, there was no real alcohol awareness like there is today. And it just seemed, especially at night games, Friday night games at Sox Park, the Cubs didn't even have night games yet, the old Sox Park, you'd get groups of people from a bar in buses like 60 or 100 yeah, people. Yeah. So you'd walk up an aisle, which is unheard of nowadays, and have a guy go, pour me 40. And he wasn't kidding. You'd have to sell yours, and if you didn't have two cases, say, wait for me, I'll be right back, and you'd run down. Those days are over with. They can't drink as much. Yeah, right. The cutoff is like in the seventh inning, after the seventh of both parks, basically. A Cubs is a little longer. I've sometimes. seen the Cubs go longer, yeah. But no, the days of uh, I don't even know if the parks allow these bar groups to come in anymore. I never. Well, seen there's just them so anymore. many price points these days. People yeah. are spending yeah. their money on other things. Where back in the day, it was like you have old style or something else, and and a hot dog, and that's it. Yeah, the only thing similar to the old Comiskey Park was the old County Stadium. You get groups yeah. of people. I mean, I. 
You go to County Stadium nowadays, they're still tailgating three, four hours before yeah, the game. Right. But it's a little different. This is great stuff. Uh, we got to take a break, and we're going to come back and uh, talk more about White Sox Park's uh, amazing vendors on WGN. Welcome back to Nocturnal Journal on WGN, and uh, it's a fantastic book, um, White Sox Park's Amazing Vendors. Lloyd Rutzke, you're in the studio. How can people find the book? You get it uh, at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, or from the publisher Arcadia, and maybe soon you get it at the White Sox Park. That would be a good idea. Yeah, I think that, that we're in negotiations with the bosses, and the, they, they've seen it, and they, they, I think maybe next time home stand it might be available at the gift shop there. Maybe we'll get to, maybe we'll get disco demolition in there and they can do two for one. <laughs> now that they're embracing disco demolition. Yeah. Um trying to plug all my books in one show. Uh, <laughs> a month early. They, yes. they went with it a month early. Um so Doug North, you're here. We're talking about I want to talk about life after vending. So Doug, I know you teach. So talk about what you, you know, some I love the picture. I'm I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce his name right, the, 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 with Harry Carey. Paul Smolson, yeah, and he became a dental surgeon. Yes, that's correct. So, talk yeah. about all you guys. What happens, you know, when you get out of this, when you don't want to do it uh, anymore? I can't tell you. What yeah, <laughs> you, you've I done eight thousand, eight thousand over eight thousand games. Right between ballparks, uh, I probably have worked more baseball games in in the seats than any person who's ever lived. I, you know what? I, you know what we should do? Yeah. I was just up this week. I went to the Bobblehead Hall of Fame. Yeah, there should be a Vendors Hall of Fame. Well, there could be. <laughs> we, well, we talk about yeah. that. In the last section is the legends. Yeah, you know, right. The legends and, uh, uh, you know, love vending and uh, other things. Uh, we have, like, Harry Carey's and the legends and Dick Allen and Ozzy Gann. Uh, but mostly the legends of vending that are in there uh, who we, everyone remembers or should remember. So Paul went on to be a dental surgeon. Yes, and there's several others. Yeah, well, there's one guy named uh, John, John Don W. Rogers Jr. He's, his office is like across the street here at the AN Center, uh, and he started uh, Ariel Investments, and uh, he was a Coke vendor. In, uh, he, well, he first met him when I was selling pizza to him when he was 10. And uh, later he became a vendor, like he's like 10 years younger than me. And somehow he met some guy named Barack Obama and uh, became his economic advisor. And uh, right across the streets where uh, uh, Obama gave his, you know, yes, we can yeah. acceptance speech. And his headquarters were in Rogers' office at the uh, uh, Aerial Investments here. And uh, across the street. Doug North and Mike Morosky from our studio audience. We know we had a stripper, a male stripper in our section, right? What was his name? He yeah. made Mark Goodman. Mark Goodman. Mark Goodman. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He, well, everyone's got to hustle for a few extra yeah. bucks, but I won't do that. Yeah. I'll yeah. make the woman run out. <laughs> I think. Um, I think vending is one of those uh, unique platforms or opportunities for people to, like I said, I started when I was 16. I, I wanted to work at Wrigley Field, be close to the Cubs. Um, but, you know, as I as anybody grows up, you try to figure out what is it that you want to do with your life. I think it's great with the guys sitting around me. It's like, you know, they were, they are working class men. They, they did um, start this and thought, this is a career. This is what I'm going to do, right? And unfortunately, things have evolved and changed. And I know a lot of people have said, well, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. My body aches. Yeah. I, I just feel like that there's something more that I'm supposed to do. And so people reach a certain platform to go in and, and do it. 
right? They they reach a certain they reach a certain point where they're like, I'm re- I'm done. I'm ready to move on. And some people are done for good. They're they're this is something that they did in the past, and it's something they can talk about. Others like myself, who who is a teacher or you know an accountant or a city worker of some sort, right? It's something that's on the side, right? It, it's a nice thing to still be connected to Wrigley Field and all that Wrigley Field is. And that's what you do, Bob. You're an accountant still. Uh, count beans by day, beers by night. <laughs> <laughs> but for all you guys, I mean, it's 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 people skills. You got to have people skills to do what you do. Well, to be good at what you do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly you have to be interact with the fans. Uh, I ask everybody, well, I ask almost everybody for their ID, you know, if they want a beer. And they're, most of the time, you know, the 90% of them are so flattered because, you know, they're 40, 50 years old. Yeah. And you do find out their names and you get to talk to them and you see their ID and see what they're, year they're born, where they're from. And you, you, you make some uh, contact, you know, uh, and you strike up a conversation, you know, because you have, you know, at Wrigley, you still have to pour the beer. It's, I think, the only park left in the country where the, for ball games, that you still have to pour the beer. I did not know that. Yeah, I believe that everywhere else they give out the beer, the cans. But at Wrigley, so... Why, 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 got, why is that? Well, I don't know, Wrigley, Try, I think... Go on. I think at Wrigley, they, they, they said that they were really close to letting us give out the beer there, too, but then I think there's a couple instances of... Uh, I think in one city where people threw the cans at on the field, so they said, "No, we'll we'll stick with this." But so we, you know, in the, in the ten seconds or twenty seconds while you're pouring the beer, you have time to talk something, and you know, that's very fair. And uh, there's no t- other guys are all businesslike, and they don't have as much rapport, you know, personal, you know, charisma with the fans. But if you you spot them and talk to them, and you'll make something, they'll make they'll you'll rem- they'll remember you. And buy from me again. We're um, we're on radio, and uh, your your uncle Mike North, mm-hmm. radio guy, yeah, um, got you kind of suggested this. He was a vendor at one time. Where I'm going with this, Mark Carmen, WGN's own Mark Carmen, that's vendor. right. Yeah, Barry Ro- Barry Rosner, Barry Rosner a yeah. vendor. I'm probably missing somebody, but why are all these vendors? David Kaplan. Kaplan's a vendor. Was a vendor. Was a vendor. Yeah, yeah. Right. They were all vendors, and they got in radio. Right. Or I'm going to be a radio guy that gets into vending. Vending, yeah. <laughs> we got a job line. Yeah. Yeah, right. They're bringing back yeah. taffy apples. I sell I'll sell cotton candy. <laughs> and taffy apples. Yeah, right. But why is that? Is that, is that, is that a coincidence? Or, is, again, is it people I, I skills? Think, I, I think it's it's you know uh, it's an opportunity to make good money in a short amount of time. It's very unique. You know, you don't keep a schedule. You show up when you want to show up. Right. And and there's no job really like that. And, you know, it's either you're here to make you're either here to make money or you're here to sell beer. That's what I say. And if you're here to make money, you're going to connect with fans. People like a connection. It's baseball. Right. They connect with baseball for one reason or another. And if you connect with the person, they're going to buy from you. Right, they're gonna like you. They're gonna want to buy from you. If you're just there to just be there and make money, right? Um, it, it's a cold transaction, right? Mm-hmm. I just think things are different when there's a human touch to it. There's a human element. A little extra time goes a long way. And you have a radio background. I do. CB a producer at the Score. I was a producer at the Score. I was a producer at uh, the Kevin Matthews Show on ninety four seven The Zone. I was in locker rooms interviewing and stuff, um, that sort of thing. And and I was inspired by by my uncle to do that. And um, I just realized. You know, I can't. I can't keep the lifestyle up. I can't keep that up, and I transitioned into teaching. Yeah, but I didn't know. I know a little bit about. I know a lot about you, but I didn't know you did underground radio, eighty-eight 
point one, one FM. What that was, was that my like? bread and butter. What'd Man, you do? I, I had the, what'd you what'd you play? I had I had whatever they told me to play. You're I, too I, young for like Jethro Tull and stuff like that. No, I didn't have that type of show. It was more or less like anything from like the mid '80s to um, like the late '90s. And then I had a sports show. I had a did variety really a show. show. I had yeah, I had a music show. I did editing. I did all that. That was fun, you know. And I wrote for uh, the Columbia College newspaper a little bit as well. It was a lot of fun. It was my show. I kind of like like you. Just you know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to do. And I went and did it. And um, you know, it, it, people responded well to it. And it was a lot of fun for me. Fond memories. You know what, Doug? There's no money in radio. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I'll be honest with you. That's why I pretty much yeah. left because I wasn't going to go is to that Boise. Why you never tipped me? <laughs> okay. I, I didn't want to go to Boise, Idaho. You know, I, I love Boise, Idaho, but I didn't want to go to Boise, Idaho to their you know triple yeah, right. single A affiliate to you know break in there and then get shipped to you know wherever Oklahoma. It's right? like a baseball player, like a minor league ball player. Pretty yeah, much. Right. Or station train changes formats and like see you later. Yeah. Right. right. So I mean. I love I loved radio. I love connecting with people there. Um, it was a lot of fun, but I, I realized that at some point in time, you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna treat me as I'm treating it. You know, I'm yeah. not gonna it's gonna be gone. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? Yeah. What a great you know. I, I said this. I don't know if I can articulate it any better. It's just when I go through this book, it just takes me. You know, I, this book wouldn't resonate with me. It was like the cell or anything. But it's old Comiskey. Are they, are they all of old Comiskey? No, no. There's I, a, I mean, there's, I'm thumb- from, uh, there's a picture of Mark Carmen. Uh, at the, and, at the and, new whatever they call it. There's a few. Yeah, other, yeah there's a few from uh, from the new Comiskey Park. Right? Yeah. But yeah. but what works for me? I, mean, I saw Cindy in here, and it just it just takes you yeah. right into the oh, ballpark. Right. There's... As you went back, Lloyd, as you went back and looked at these and put this book together, um, what went through your mind? And was there a couple pictures that came out to you? I know we've lost some vendors. Just emotionally, what it was like to put this together when you saw people from your past. Well, uh, as as uh, I look through it now, there there are just so many guys that uh, I had so much uh, part of my life with, you know, that I had fun with, that they taught me how to, you know, to work and how to live, and and they, you know, they came to my wedding. And the end of the book, there's a picture from my wedding. Abe was in there, and uh, so it's just all of uh, you know. And I met my wife at the ballpark. Yeah, how that? I was going to ask you that. Well, how, it was a, she was a season ticket holder. Yeah, I know that, that. that's right, and well. Turned out my brother had met her in in um, Jamaica, and uh, he, really, yeah, it was a very in a one in a hundred million chance that. Uh, but he met her on an elevator, and she found out they're both from Chicago, and uh, then they uh, started connecting each other. It turned out at the time I was engaged to someone else, but wow. then uh, I didn't know he was. But uh, <laughs> but then I, I broke that my ended, and so then my brother brought up that he'd met this girl who happens to be a. Not only a, a, a baseball fan, she's a season ticket holder at White Sox Park. So this was, uh, you know, so I, meet, he gave me her number and I called her up and we agreed to meet at Sox Park. So I didn't actually just bump into her at Sox Park. And actually, I was working downstairs and her seats were upstairs with her father and her brother. But uh, you know, we met there, and then she also loved movies like I did, and. Uh, just you know, one year later we got married, pretty much. That upper right field at uh, at Comiskey. That's uh, that's where my dad took me, and that's also where I sat for Disco Demolition. You know, it's just that upper right field deck up there. In the upper left field, that's where my uncle Mike he got me into vending with mm-hmm. my brother, and he had a stand in the upper deck in left field. Yeah. And he was uh, vending in the fifties. We didn't mention one thing about the old Sox Park that steak stand. 
you see the flames coming up and they throw a little ribeye on there. They were delicious. <laughs> All righty. Well, thank you guys for coming down on a, on a holiday weekend. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a great segment. Yeah, it's uh, really, really. Uh, Lloyd, just give us the details on how people can find the book. Well, once again, you can get it from Amazon or from uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, a lot of Barnes & Nobles have it, or you can order it from them. And or from the Arcady Publishing, uh, and maybe some other stores. There are other stores that probably have it, too. Uh, I know that my friend Cindy had the Rigby oh. book at her store in, in uh, Evanston, and yeah. that's Tailgate. So yeah. uh, I, other places have it that I don't even know about. They don't tell me everywhere it goes. Yeah. I'm just a writer. <laughs> okay, thanks, you guys. Uh, thanks for listening tonight. And you know what? We'll be back tomorrow night with... Uh, with uh, A.J. Croce, Jim Croce's son. So uh, listen in on that on uh, WGN.